Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And we have many things to talk to you about today. So many that I'm not going to list them up front. The first is we're going to check in about the week that just happened, which was calmer than the week before. Mm. I feel that things are moving, that laws are being changed. There's a Brianna's Law for Brianna Taylor, the woman who was shot in her bed in Louisville, Kentucky. And a law has been passed that bans no-knock entry, which means that they can just burst into someone's home and use whatever force they want. Her home was rammed into, or they forced entry, the police Mm -hmm. did. Her boyfriend had a gun and I think tried to use it against one of the cops. He was shot in the leg. And they then went on to their bedroom where she was shot eight times in her bed and died. And it was actually a mix-up. They were looking for someone having to do with drugs. And that person was already in custody. There are no chokehold laws. Los Angeles has just passed one and New York City has just passed one. And I feel like things will be changing. Less money will be going to the police in New York and Los Angeles and more to community service. Last week I was 50%, my stomach was churning and 50%, no, I'd say more like 75% my stomach was churning and 25% I was hopeful. But I'm, I'm more hopeful this week. I do think it's going to last. I think it's a movement. I don't think it's just a series of protests. Mm-hmm. From what I've been reading and what I've been hearing, it's a change. Mm-hmm. We're changing. Mm-hmm. We have to challenge ourselves. Well, the NASCAR thing was kind of an interesting indication. Wasn't it? It shifted. Yeah, that was a sign of something. I didn't know that NASCAR Maybe. used Confederate flags, so that was news to me. Well, I don't know if they officially endorsed the use of them, but apparently people would go and wave them around and it was okay. Yeah, I, I don't really know what the policy was before, but the fact that they stood up against that is interesting. There was a, a well-known black NASCAR driver who asked for the change, and I wonder if he ever thought it would happen. All of those statues are being thrown right. into the ocean. Right, right, right. <laughs> taken away. So yeah. it just feels different. It feels uh-huh. different than the anti-war protests because those fell on deaf ears, basically. Yeah, it seems like there's a change in the kind of a weird term mainstream, but it feels like the mainstream of the country has had its eyes opened in some way or has yes. shifted or has gone, whoa, we can't do this anymore. The thing with George Floyd's murder was just so shocking. Mm-hmm. to so many people. I haven't been able to watch it. I was going to challenge myself and watch it. And I, I actually heard from someone who is a young Black woman, a podcaster, who admonished people, white people, watching these videos of Black men being murdered mm-hmm. as a kind of affront to their memory and to the Black community at large. And so I haven't watched it. I feel like I should. At the same time, I took her words very seriously. Part of me is relieved because I don't want to see it. But I've heard over and over again what it includes. So I would imagine that eight minutes and 46 seconds of watching a man's life ebb away from him as he begs for mercy, people who have watched it, the details of it are worse than anything else that has ever been seen. Worse than Rodney King, worse than Eric Garner, worse than Walter Scott being shot in the back. Right. But it's not worse than a lot of things that have happened. It's the first time that it's been made visible. So the visibility of it, I mean, everyone, can decide for themselves if they want to look at the tape or not. But the fact that it's visible is what's changed everything. And how unfortunate that it had to be something so gruesome that even people who might not have been very much in league with anti-racists are having their eyes opened. 
I've been trying to do some homework and, you know, it's funny. I started reading White Fragility, and then there's been a backlash against the books that are being recommended to help us understand our racism. And it's very interesting. I'm going to continue to read it because I need to be educated, and I'll take it any way I can get it. And I happen to have that book, so... Yeah. Is there controversy about whether that book should be on our list? That book and all books having to do with educating white Americans about Mm, our original racism Mm -hmm. and how we've been swimming in it. Or as Stephanie says, you're soaking in it. Yeah. Um, you know, I noticed that when I watched The Help a week or two ago, and I'd oh never dear. seen it. And when did that come out? Like around 2014 or so or earlier? Probably. And it was beautiful and it was it was heartwarming and all of those things. <laughs> but it was one more movie where the privileged white girl was the hero. <laughs> you know? Exactly. That was everybody's problem with it. Was it? You no, know. there was a huge backlash against it because uh, it was the privileged white girl's story. There, yeah. So I wonder if that's something, if that's a, similar thing to do as you're saying people are complaining about that book that you're reading? It's mostly that it's a white person's privilege to read about white people's privilege. Oh, right. And I watched this film that I'd been avoiding watching called 13th. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. I avoided watching it because I thought it was going to be a two-hour education on how horrifically Black men have been treated under the judicial system. But it's not that. It's very scholarly. I mean, it's still stomach-churning because they start with the premise that once the slaves were freed, the Southern plantation owners needed free labor. And the 13th Amendment says that no person can be do you know you're nodding your head so i'm assuming you know what the exemption no, no, is no. oh it, it states that no person can be enslaved unless they are incarcerated at which point they become enslaved again and oh wow there's a huge business. It's just so worth watching. It's really about that. It's about Jim Crow. It's just, it's very well done. Yeah. I listened to, just because I'm walking more because of the pandemic I and listening to podcasts, I listened to an episode of a podcast called Radio Lab. Well, it's a radio show, but it's also- Yeah, I love Radio Lab. Aren't they great? So yeah. there's one that I just heard called The Liberation of RNA. And it's fascinating. And it's about a young African-American scholar who studied biology and genetics and all of that stuff, went to medical school, then became more of a researcher. It's great because it's his story of his experience as a scholar and then of his studying the guy who, Robert Watson, I think is his name, the guy that co-discovered the double helix structure of oh, the really? DNA molecule. But it turns out Watson was a, was and still is a quite embarrassingly and maddeningly racist guy. But it's I won't do a whole synopsis of the whole episode because I probably won't do it justice, but it's really worth a listen, primarily because the main guy who's telling the story is such an interesting fellow in that he just kind of breaks the stereotype you have of what a medical scholar sounds like. He's very colloquial, very accessible in how he speaks. You know, he sounds like someone in your neighborhood. He doesn't sound like some kind of scientist, but he is quite the scientist. I think he's on the faculty at Brown now. But it's great because it uses his experience in the academy and in university, and also as a scientist, to show where we've been and where we are and where we still are so much struggling as a country around race and and giving people the dignity to be human beings. Anyway, it's really worth a listen. Oh, I'm definitely going to listen to it. Is that the newest episode on Radiolab? I think it is the newest. I think Liberation of RNA was his thesis topic. Oh, yeah, and he starts out with his story of being pulled over for driving while black. But the way he tells it and stretches it out and gives these details is just brilliant. Oh, I'm definitely going to listen.
But it's nice too, because it gives you that sense of what the black experience might be like. He's able to convey it in a way that yeah. feels very immediate and gives yeah. you, you know, you can't necessarily be in his shoes, but he comes very close to letting you see and feel how it is. Oh, that's a great recommendation. I do have to mention that I did watch a video. Um, I'm not sure where this is going to go in our podcast, but I forgot that I had just seen a video of a man named Rayshard Brooks who got shot in the back by a white policeman who was chasing him. It was one of those things where he had probably been drinking, had been sitting in a car, fell asleep in, in a line at a Wendy's, a drive through line, and people were driving oh. around him. Did you hear about this in Atlanta? Yeah. I did watch that because I, was, I, I didn't know what I was watching. There was a timeline that the New York Times was doing and mm -hmm. the body cam stuff that they had. And before I knew it, I was watching him getting shot in the back. Right, right. But another case where a man's life is worth less than a, a taser, which mm -hmm. is what he had on him when he was running away. Right. And just, just hard to yeah. process that. No, that was a shock coming so close after oh, Floyd. Really? And the chief of police, I'm sure you read this too, she stepped down. Oh, right. And the mayor is apparently one of the three top people Biden's considering. So the mayor is someone, that's very interesting, mayor of Atlanta. Oh, yes, I know about the mayor of Atlanta, but I can't call, recall her name right now. I sent you that John Oliver piece on the police. I don't oh, know if you got a chance to, it's really, really good. It's very much, it's sort of like a condensed version of 13th. Mm. So if you don't want to watch the whole movie of 13th, watch John Oliver. What I love about John Oliver is he may be an American citizen, I don't know, mm -hmm. but he comes at our government and our culture and our society like an American citizen, mm -hmm. and yet he has the kind of gimlet eye of an outsider. Mm -hmm. And I find that he's able to look at our troubles and see them in a way that I find that I'm just too close to. He puts them in a tremendous format that's easy for simpletons like me to understand. Right, yeah. Yeah, it takes that sometimes, a little bit of distance to... Yeah. see things more clearly. It does. I love his show. I don't get HBO. Somebody sent me the link to it, so I was able to watch it, but I may... Oh, HBO Max. Let's oh. get into it, because I was going to join HBO just for John Oliver, and I couldn't because I have an Amazon Fire Stick. That's just it. Well, through slickdeals.net, my favorite website of all time, about two months ago, I signed up for a special deal to get a year of HBO now for $12 a month instead of 15 and on May 28th or 26th or something, they would launch HBO Max, which has, guess, a much deeper, wider, larger library. And so I thought, oh, that sounds fun because I love HBO because they play that show I like, Succession. Oh, so, right. you know, I wasn't thinking much about it. I don't watch a whole lot of streaming stuff. And then I thought, oh, I have to try out my new HBO Max last night. And I go on and I, I can't seem to get it. And I get my HBO now through Roku. So I do oh, a little right. quick Googling. And it didn't take long at all for this article to come up. Well, I think Warner owns HBO, at least they own HBO Max. So they've launched this whole big thing with all this fanfare and all this hoopla and all this pre-sales, which, of which I'm one, but they never got a contract signed with either Amazon or Roku. So you can't get HBO Max if you receive your programming through Roku or through Amazon. Oh, yet. but you paid for a year. Yeah. So. Oh, that's a lot of money. It's not just me. It's like 70% of American TV viewers get their services through either Amazon or Roku. So You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. So that's how many people can't get HBO. Now you can still get, like I can still get this thing called HBO Now, which is a partial. 
I can get it on my computer. If I want to watch a movie on my computer, I can bring it up. But they, did, they, they didn't get their contracts in line with Amazon or with Roku. I think there's some corporate fight going on between these behemoths and, and neither one wants to budge, apparently. So the only way you can get Max is if you get cable. But it seems so tacky. I couldn't believe a great big corporation like that. I don't know. It's just, it, to me, it's weird. It is weird. But that's the other thing is they charge 15 bucks a month, which is more than most streaming That's services. right. But yeah, $15 a I month, that's, that's a lot of do-re-mi. Yeah. yeah. So there was something I wanted to tell you about, just by the by, a comedian that I've seen. Her name is Sarah Cooper. Have you heard of her? Yeah, she does the voiceovers. Or the she does the Trump thing. voiceovers. Yes. Yeah. So isn't she hysterical? Yeah, I saw just a quick bit of it. It was great. I heard there's one where Trump talks to lobstermen. Oh, really? <laughs> I haven't been able to get that. That one yet, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I was looking at her and I couldn't figure out why exactly. It's not like her facial expressions are so different, but they seem to contradict everything that he's saying, you know? Yeah. Somehow she just gets it down and it's hysterically funny. Yeah. It's a quirky, weird thing and she's unique in doing it and it feels like only she could do it and have it yes. work like it does. And I thought when I heard about her that she was going to be dressed up like Trump, but she's oh, right. not. She's a young woman with long, dark hair who lip syncs. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. She needs her own channel, kind of like Randy Rainbow. She these, does, yes, these she does. beings that need their own networks. <laughs> Only Trump's going to be out in November, so then she's not going to have a Oh, career. I had a vision that he's going to even have to quit sooner. Oh, really? Yeah, I just, I don't know. It just came to me in a kind of a flight of fancy. But... I have a funny feeling that there's going to be a health event or a weird mental breakdown slash oh. meltdown oh. that's going to oh. make him leave sooner and that he may even stage it because of his inability to accept the possibility of defeat. That would be amazing. I don't think he's mad be... enough to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I'm sure he'll have Russian help again like he did last time. Yes. I'm sure it will be skewed in his favor more than the votes really justify like it was last time. But I think the tide has turned so dramatically that even with Russia's thumb on the scale, he can't win and he knows he can't win. I don't think he's man enough to really go through it, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. So I've been hearing people talking very seriously about the idea that if he did lose and it was close, that he would refuse to relinquish power. I've heard that too, but I also saw an interview or saw a quote from an interview where he did say, no, of course, if I lost, I would lose and I would be done. I, he's, and there's other things I have to do in life. I don't need, you know, he was kind of like, I don't need this. If I lose, I lose. I'll just go on. You yeah, know? he's got to run One America Network. <laughs> <laughs> he has to drive at least one major company into the ground a year or it's really <laughs> not worth the trouble. I get up in the morning. got to keep his reputation intact. Yeah, yeah. We're five months away from that election. Only change. five months away. Who would have thought that it would be so painful to get here? Oh, what stamina we have. I'm impressed with us all. I am too. I'm feeling optimistic about the election. Mm -hmm. to, to the evil eye there, I said it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just like in Fiddler on the Roof. That's, that's where I, I learned it from. That's where the first time I saw it. It's the first and the last time. I've only seen it in Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, I just think the emperor has no clothes, finally. Yeah. And that shift we were talking about earlier... It's so funny because in a way, Trump was a creature of and a creation of the internet and the video age, television, certainly, media. Right. And yet it was media that's bringing him down because it's media that gave us the George Floyd close-up. And yes. something about that video changed our country. Not only that, but it brought out the racism in him. A lot of the political articles I read are saying, as always, he is aligning himself with a bunch of powerful generals. It's just that in this case, they're all dead and Confederate. <laughs> 
So you were going to talk about oh Scotty Powers, Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Yeah, my friend Linda turned me on to this one. It was I only hard. know that he was a pimp to the stars. That's all I know. He was, but this movie, this documentary about him, which I had to take out as a temporary subscription to Stars in order to access it for free. You know, it's a portrait of him now. Well, actually, now he has he passed just died. away. Right. right. It's a he was old. He was 90. He turns 90. And then they also do his 91st birthday. And wow. he's pretty damn spry for a 91-year-old guy. And his story is so fascinating. But the documentary is brilliant, I think. I didn't think so at first. And I had to watch it in two sittings because, frankly, it triggered me a lot because it was a lot about anonymous sexual encounters. Oh, and yeah. I, I was watching it and I was feeling very ambivalent about sticking with it because he's so easy and casual about, he hooked up all these stars with all of these anonymous sexual encounters at this gas station in a trailer that was behind the gas station. And he showed it, it had a partition and Catherine Hepburn was over here with some woman in this bed and Cary Grant was over here with some guy in this bed. And you know, it's all wild. Oh, so they but, didn't have assignations somewhere else that actually happened in the gas station? Both, the, but his oh, main okay. thing was the gas station, you'd give him $20 if you were a big movie star, and he would have these guys that hung around the place, and women too. They'd oh. hang around, and then the, the movie star would come and say, that one's cute, maybe I can take him out to dinner, and maybe they'd take him out to dinner, and, and then they could have sex on their own, or if they wanted a quickie in the trailer, they could do that too. I they see. Pull into the gas station for a, for a quick one. It's interesting because he's so casual about sex, and that's where I personally I had trouble watching it because I I'm a diehard monogamist once I'm in a relationship. Yeah. And so for me to consider all these people being so casual about these sexual encounters, I hate to admit to my own puritanism, but it was it was painful for me. So what impressed me about Scotty then and now when they interview him, he's so easygoing about it all, and it's just like he was setting up card games. He, it was it's just like no big deal for him. He wanted people to be able to have fun and he knew that these movie stars couldn't have fun because of their public images that were so carefully crafted um, they had to be very secretive what's great about it though also it shows you that there was a time when holly before the production code came in there was a time when hollywood was pretty freewheeling sexually and it was kind of known that george cuker was gay and had all these sex parties at his house yeah. and women as well and that cary grant and randolph scott were a couple even though they did a spread on them in Life magazine as Hollywood's two roommate bachelors. Well, they were <laughs> sleeping together. And I had no idea. That's what's fun about the movie is you see all this stuff. And he said he was sworn to secrecy. He wasn't going to tell. He says, but then everyone died. And he said, fuck it. I'm going to tell the story because I want people to know what it was like. And it's wonderful. But what's really cool about it there's like an act two to this documentary because you think, okay, I get it. All these people were swingers and they were all having sex and Catherine Hepburn was sleeping with women and Spencer Tracy was sleeping with guys and it really does blow up with the whole image of the, the Tracy Hepburn quote oh, yeah. romance. That whole romance, even though it was considered scandalous because it was extramarital, it was a story that the studios cooked up because both of them were gay. So what's cool That's is it. about two thirds of the way in, they go into his personal history as a kid and they're are episodes of sexual abuse that start early for him. And it's really something because the interviewer looks at him and says, you know, there's a lot of people that would consider that. He describes encounters with priests, neighbors, teachers, relatives. He was apparently having sex with people since he was a small kid. Oh. And you get to see him. He's so free and easy through the whole movie. 
he's like this free spirit. But when the interviewer says, you know, some people would say that those experiences you had were instances of sexual abuse and that that, that was damaging. And you see him, it's great. You see him deny that, but you see behind his face and in his body language, his rage at the subject being brought up. And you can tell that he has unprocessed stuff going on. And so wow. what I learned from it was don't fall for the surface impression that you get from people that the person who seems so free and easy and accepting and loosey-goosey and all of that, there are stories under the surface. Wow. But anyway, as a film, it was good because it surprised you at the end because it brought in a level of depth of analysis that you didn't think was coming. I just have to ask, since I haven't seen it, since all these people are dead, Mm -hmm. did you have a sense that that he was telling that, was there any corroboration of the people that he talked about? I mean, Um, could he have been telling tales, is my question. He could have been, but he's still friends with a lot of the guys that he farmed out to people. And they're brought into the movie and you have discussions with them and they sort of corroborate. But I don't know, it it seems pretty convincing, but... Well, it's certainly been touted as real. I mean, I I was just curious. No, that's, yeah, I guess that's an open question. It seemed like it's like, oh, it's a movie about salacious stuff that used to happen in Hollywood, which is fine. That was entertaining. But it takes a serious turn at the end that's, that's actually kind of intriguing. It sounds like he didn't have a reckoning, at least on camera, about the abuses that he suffered. No, I don't think he time. ever faced those. But you could see something, this flash of fire in his eyes, you know, that the question was even being asked. And, and it's a real clash with his image that he otherwise puts forward because he's, he's always laughing. And the first thing you get is you're impressed with how... He's happy-go-lucky. Got it. Well, if you're a child and you're sentient enough at the time and you say, oh, I had these sexual encounters because I wanted to, Mm -hmm. that's different than saying I was abused and taken advantage of. That's right. Interesting. I'd I'd never heard it put that way, but that, I guess it makes sense. It was fun. Everything was fun. Well, fascinating. So there's a a series about it though, right? Well, we talked about this before. It's called Hollywood and it's based on... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, that was very, very interesting. Yeah, Thank you for sharing. It's worth a look. Definitely. Well, darling, I guess that's it for us. Here we go. I guess we'll say goodbye for now. Goodbye, boomers. Thanks so much for finding us again. And we will speak to you once more in a week. See you then. Bye, Bye-bye. everybody. Bye.